Amen. 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 God bless you. You could be seated. I'm thankful tonight to be here and uh, appreciate Amen. you being here tonight. I'm not going to say anything about the stuff that's going on. Too much said already, you know, too much going on. So, amen, we'll just let the Lord take care of things. But uh, how many uh, hate, and everybody's probably had this kind of feeling. How many hates those kind of people that send you those big, long texts? You know, you read and it's like, I got... I got so mad at our pastor today. I'm driving down the road. I get a text from him, and I, I'm zip. Lord, and it wasn't a text. It was names of people that wasn't going to be here tonight. I'm like, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> he said, I'm getting all kind of contacts. Amen. A lot of folks sick and a lot of, a lot of things going on. So, amen. I said, man. I said, well, I said, I tell you what. I said, I'll just save a good message and sing. Careful what you ask for. Careful what you amen. Sister Laura, come on up. No. Amen, amen. Yeah, definitely. Grab your Bible tonight. Your, our pastor, he uh, asked me when Brother Art was here, he said, hey, he said, uh, why don't you uh, teach a little bit about the tabernacle? And uh, because Brother Art had brought up the tabernacle and some things there and and uh, so I said, yeah. And uh, I said, I'll probably try to go a little bit different direction than uh, maybe what we have in the past, especially with search for truth kind of things. But so we've been working on, I've been working on that. But I want you to go with me to Exodus chapter 25. And we're going to read verses 1 and 2 and then drop down and read verses 8 and 9. You can stand if you'd like. Amen. We're reading of the word. Exodus chapter 25, thank you for your prayers, Sister Laura, she's doing a great job, she's doing good, uh, she's really doing good because she's back to doing some dishes, and, and uh, just not at the stove yet, but uh, we're getting there, and, uh, but uh, she's doing great, they're telling her how good everything's looking there with her leg, her knee, and so just keep her in your prayers. Uh, Exodus 25, verses 1 and 2 first. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they may bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart. Ye shall take, look what he says, my offering. Amen. My offering. Drop down to verse number 8. Verse 8 and 9. Yeah, we'll just cut this down a little bit. Let them, verse 8, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all that I show thee after the pattern of the tabernacle and after the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall you make it. So tonight I would just want to fulfill amen, uh, Pastor Adam's wishes and talk about the tabernacle tonight. Somebody say the wilderness tabernacle. Wilderness Tabernacle. Thank you. You could be seated. The Wilderness Tabernacle. The first place that we're introduced uh, to the tabernacle is here in Exodus 25. And uh, I just want to kind of give you a little bit of a backdrop here, kind of bring us up to where we're at here because the book of Exodus starts out uh, in one way and then shifts. And so I'll talk about that in just a minute. But uh, after serving in Egypt, 
And we know the story, if you've been around very long, after serving Egypt for more than two centuries, it's a long time uh, being bound and uh, serving for two centuries, now they're delivered and they're heading in the wilderness on their way to a promised land. How many is making their journey today? That's why we're here. We're making our way to the promised land. Amen. And notice this now because until now, their worship, and this is where I want to kind of start, start taking this. Until now, their worship had been family-oriented. Look at your neighbor and say family-oriented. <clears throat> what that means was the oldest male would be the priest of each family, and that's how they had their devotions. And, and in, interestingly, uh, Exodus chapter 1, verse 5, uh, flip that up there if you would, uh, Israel entered Egypt with around 70 souls. But I want you to, I just want you to kind of, I want to lay this foundation. I want you to think about it. They entered Egypt with 70 souls, uh, not counting Jacob, of course, but think about that. When they left, uh, there's a difference of, you know, how much exactly, but it's between two and three million when they left Egypt. So you could see a vast, vast difference uh, taking place here just, and so There's a reason why God does everything. But when they entered, there was only 70 souls uh, that came with Jacob. And now they number somewhere between 2 and 3 million. Now, on Mount Sinai, we know Moses met with God. And not only did God give Moses the law and the Ten Commandments, the law just being which was a guide, you know, for, for them all, things begin to change because now God had to deal with Moses a little differently and begin to deal with him on how to deal with a large number or a crowd, not just the family size, if you will. And so all these things was given on Mount Sinai. We know about that, but there's something took place. Something happened. Not only uh, was it just uh, the Ten Commandments and, and the law given, but God gave Moses uh, something new and something different. Uh, and it was given to him for God's people. And how many knows God knows how to take care of us? You're here tonight believing that, right? He'll take care of us. I believe he will. I believe he'll take care of us. He now is introducing here uh, a central place of worship, something that had never happened. Put up verse number 8 back, if you would, please, because what had took place here, and, and there's two words that we read here that I want to point, I would really want to drive home. He said, let them make me a sanctuary. Somebody shout sanctuary. Let them make me a sanctuary, because these two words I, I want to point out, because a sanctuary in Hebrew is mikdash. It means a consecrated place, a holy place. God says, I'm going to, I want you to make me a consecrated, a holy place, a sanctuary. Verse number nine, he also says, uses the word tabernacle. He said, the tabernacle, tabernacle means mishkan. It means a residence or a dwelling place. God says, I want the people, I want you to build me, to make me a sanctuary and a tabernacle, a sanctuary, a place that's consecrated, a place that's holy, a dwelling place, a place for me to reside, to meet now communal with all the people. Think about that. Don't you like it when the Lord meets us here? I do. I love having a good service. I love to see people blessed. 
Think about this for just a moment because sometimes we, we gloss over these things. What if we were just to stay at home and do our own little worship and our own little family devotion? That's, that would be great, and we should, and we do. But think about it. I mean, now we get to come together. And not only is it, not only is it intensified, but it's magnified. How many has felt the wave of the Spirit come into a service and just begin, just like an ocean wave, just begin to ripple through the sanctuary, and then you just see it start hitting people. And the power of God's anointing just begin to move. He, but he, want, he said, now, he said, I want you to make me this sanctuary, this tabernacle. Now, the tabernacle was to become God's dwelling place upon the, on this earth. This is where God was going to dwell on this earth, where we would meet with, he would meet with the people a place that mankind, man had never experienced this, had never had this for the first 1,600 years that mankind existed. Think about that. Something new. I know we think about the ark. We talk about the ark, and we talk about when it landed, new things. But think about this. God says, listen, now we're going to come together. We're going to have this tabernacle, and I want you to build this for me, and I want you to make this for me, and this is how I want you to do it. And I think it's important to note here, it's God's plan. No, it's God's plan. Man did not blueprint it. Man did not draw it out. God did. God was very specific. <coughs> Excuse me, because if you, if you read verses 3 through 8, we could take the time to do it, but if you read, read through it, look at the materials that, that God says, this is, this is what I want. And when you read it, you'll find that what God, and this is important, what God asked for, it wasn't junk. It was not leftover. He I'm, I'm serious, look at that. He asked for the very best of the linen. He asked for the very best of the wood. He asked for, asked for the very best of the gold and silver. Listen, sometimes we've got to realize where we're at. We're in the sanctuary. We're in the tabernacle. We're the church of today. Amen. God asked for his best. Why? Because he is the best and he deserves the best. My God, people come to church any old way, looking any old way, acting any old way. We should respect the house of God, the tabernacle, the sanctuary. Why? Because it's a consecrated place. It's holy. There, there, and if, if you can't, you know, well, you know, now thing, you know, the, you know, I don't like institutionalized uh, Christianity. No, listen, it ain't that. God instituted us coming together. It was his idea. It was his purpose. It was his plan. Like Brother Art brought out, and we'll get to to some degree. Uh, listen, everything that happened then is a type and a shadow, and like God said, a pattern of heavenly things. In fact, when you get into the New Testament, we're told those very words. This this tabernacle, this tabernacle in the wilderness was a pattern, a shadow of heavenly things. In other words, what what was a, a shadow or reflection of what heaven was about? Think about that a little bit. Because all God says, listen, this is what I want. I want I want this for me. I, I want the details it was very descriptive of the materials and their type. He got he got real Matter of fact, let me just let me just read some of it. And this is the offering which you shall take. Listen, of them. This is what you're going to ask for. Well, let's take up an offering for the missionaries. Let's take up an offering for the church. 
No, God, listen, God is specific here. He says, take up this offering from them, gold, silver, brass, verse 3, and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and ram skin, dyed red, listen, not just any, dyed red and badger skin and shittim wood, oil for the light, spices for anointing oil, and for the sweet incense. Notice, notice, how, notice how detailed God is. Onyx for stones, the stones to be set in an ephod and in the breastplate, and let them make me a sanctuary. See, he says, listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to bring these goods. Now think about this because sometimes, like I say, we just gloss over. These people have been in slavery for over two centuries. And God says, listen, I don't care how poor you've been. This is what I want. We get mad at ministry sometimes, but listen, don't, don't, get, don't get confused because most of the time it's the mouthpiece of God trying to get us to step up a little higher and realize where we're at and what we're involved in. It's not some person's, you know, soapbox. It's God trying to, listen, can you imagine Moses having to go out here and say, hey, listen, y'all, <laughs> I know we've been poor. I know we've had it rough for a long time, but here's what I need. Here's what God wants. He wants gold. Ah, here goes my 401k. He wants that silver. Here goes my coin collection. No, listen. Can you, can you imagine? You know, I mean, because I, I think about the preacher side. Can you imagine Moses had to go to the people and say, Here, here's what God wants. He wants the very best. Scarlet. I mean, he wants the very best. He don't want us just to bring any old thing. Now, I know, like most people are, because we're all the same, there was a lot of people who begin to sweat bullets. Man, I don't know what I'm going to do. But now listen, because it's, it's the same thing then as it is now. God didn't say, this family, this tribe, this one, you're going to give this amount and you're going to give that amount because you're doing better and you're doing that. No, he said, listen, it don't matter what you have or what you can get your hands on or what you can do, but just bring something. Come on, remember, it's like the, two, the one with the two minds. It's not the amount. It's from the heart. And God says, listen, I don't want it begrudgingly. I want it given willingly. Now, that's almost an oxymoron. I want it, but I want it willingly. Oh, you're going to bring it, but you're going to bring it willingly. No, that's what he says. Listen, because God knows the difference. God knows who's sitting in the auditorium with their, you know, hands all crossed and all mad, mad at God, mad at the world, mad at how things are, mad because they don't have more things in life or somebody else is doing better. God knows all about that kind of stuff. Come on. We don't have to address it. He'll address it. That's why some people never go anywhere because it's between them and God. They can never step up any higher because they've never learned to give cheerfully or willingly. Just whatever I decide, whatever I want, whatever's left over. Listen, once we, once we understand, the, because this concept comes from God, given it shall be given, comes from God. He set the tone. He set the pattern. He's the pattern maker. This wasn't a tax. Remember when Turning Point started, I asked some of the church, hey, listen, instead of paying 10%, pay 11 or 12% tithing so we can help support. It was nothing like that. God says, listen, just bring in willingly. 
Sometimes you have to take some measure. They did it voluntarily. What they could. Now, I want to point out a couple of things. God asked these poor people to do it. He asked them to do it willingly. He asked them to bring the best of the richest, of the finest, of the materials. Now, notice this. One thing, uh, this is something I've, I've looked at this. With Joe, I've, I've, I've preached and taught. and One thing that stuck out this time for me in going through, the, that's why I went back and read the, the list of materials. One thing that's not there. I've never noticed it before. Something missing in what God asked for. He never asked for any iron. Any iron material. Everything was the best of the best. It wasn't cheap iron. It wasn't cheap material. You know why? You know why? Because when you study this out, you know why he didn't? Because iron then represented military metal. God don't want that in his church. Come on. We're a church of unity. We're a church of peace. He didn't want iron. He didn't want the church to be built with some kind of, you know, substandard iron, something that you use to fight with. Come on, think about that. God knows what he's doing. He brought it all together when he asked for the best. When he asked you to give your best, it doesn't mean he wants to make you mad or he wants to make your life miserable or rough. He wants to show you, listen, when you do something for me, I'm going to do something for you. It's not something that has to be, but I'm going to show you who I am. He wanted a church of peace, of unity, not division. What a place of worship, not made of fighting materials. It's also ironic. <laughs> you know, uh, where does these poor people get this stuff from? Well, it's right in the Word. Right there in the Word, he, he tells us. Chapter 12, Exodus 12. Mark this in your Bible, 35 and 36. Watch, because this is another good illustration for us. He, he gets this. They get their materials from the Egyptians. Hello. The job you got, you may have a sorry boss. You may have a worldly boss. You may have a, a worldly job, but guess what? It was the worldly people that helped build the sanctuary and the tabernacle. Why? Because there was, God gave them favor to their enemy. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. God can use you to be a blessing to the sanctuary and the tabernacle. Chapter 12, did give you that? 35, put that up there. And the people took, what? There you go. And the children of Israel, the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, I love that part. I wish people would just. And they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver, jewels of gold, and raiment it. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they lent unto them such things as was required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. <laughs> Take that, world. Come on, sometimes we get thinking, man, the world has it. No, take that, world. Do you know what you just got involved in? Do you know what you're doing? 
That's why I love some of the things we do. I love peanut brittle. I love the white elephant auction. Why? Because other people are able to be involved and to be a part of things and, and have fun and enjoy and not even know they're supporting something that maybe they don't even believe in. Because a lot don't agree. Think about it. It was the Egyptians that gave the material. God gave them favor with them. Now, let me make this parable. I have to do this. Jump into the New Testament real quick. The Apostle Paul said something very profound here. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 9. Notice what, notice what Paul says. He says, you are, well, there's a curse word today. You want to get some people hostile, just mention labor. We are laborers together with God. That sounds good. But I like this next part. You are God's husbandry. You are God's. Now, are you making the connection? This parallel? You make it. God, it was God that built the sanctuary. It was God that says, I want me a sanctuary. I want me a tabernacle. And now Paul says, listen, amen, this Holy Ghost that we have, guess what? Uh, this body was not created just to be, you know, do what we want to do and, and have my own choice and do what I want to do. It's created to house the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, to dwell in it. That's why be careful what you back up and what you sanction because it's not my body's not my own. It's a tabernacle. It's a sanctuary for the Holy Ghost. That's why no man can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Ghost. Why? Because that's what we are. That we're the tabernacle for the Holy Ghost to dwell in. Well, I don't want that. You ought to. It's godly. It's God's. He said, you are God's building. I, I love the way Paul put that together because we are God's building. Simply the church, his tabernacle, is made up of those, now get this, those who willingly give themselves to the Lord in his service. What God say? He said, I want this brought to me willingly. I want you to come willingly. I want this tabernacle willingly. I want this sanctuary, this consecrated place to be willing, given willing. That's why living a holy life, that's why people call it standard. It's not standards. It's a holy life. It means to be holy because God is holy. Be ye holy. Not for us just to do everything and anything we want to do. The sanctuary was, listen, notice, the sanctuary wasn't used for anything else but what? For them to come together and worship and to sacrifice. Think about that. If you, if you, if you, when you study out about the tabernacle, it's something very interesting because God made it for a specific purpose. Now, let me just real quick. The meaning of Exodus, like I said in the beginning, the book of Exodus, which this is written in, the meaning of Exodus means way out or the going forth. So as we can see, Exodus, the book, totally, because we're starting here, the first time we find out about the tabernacle here is in the 25th chapter. But notice this, because the book <coughs> is, combines the redemptive or the redemption record, okay, being, being with the Egyptians and being in bondage of Israel, God's people, from the Egyptian, the worldly bondage, or simply the way out. In other words, the first part was, listen, they were in bondage, 
It shows the redemption of it being brought out, and we're given a, they're given a promise. We're brought out of the world. Hello. Supposed to be. We're not supposed to be worldly anymore. We're a chosen generation. They were chosen. They were God's people, and God had a place for them, a place for them to come to where he what? He can tabernacle. He can dwell a consecrated place. Notice this. And so the book of Exodus shows us in the beginning how it all began to unfold, but then the records, it records how that the, the protective presence of God, when God, makes a, oh, I feel, when God makes a promise to you or to people, guess what? He keeps it. The protective presence and dwelling place that he said he would meet them known as the tabernacle in the wilderness. Listen, I can't overemphasize this enough. In other words, it doesn't, and you know how it operated. Whenever the glory cloud would there rise up, and then it was for them to take up and move. <laughs> if it didn't, they stayed there. But think about this. There's, there's an unwritten, there's something there that I don't know if the people really understand, just like we do. I don't think we understand the power and really the presence of the church. I mean, even the, the, the structure, because we make it up. We support it. Think about that. Because wherever it was, they were fine. God's presence, knowing that God's presence would be there. Think about that. Do we really, really understand that God has given us the Holy Ghost for these tabernacles, for these bodies? We have the Holy Ghost, and you know what? His presence is there. I don't care whether you're here, or like I said to my wife, or whether you're in Israel. God's presence is there. The promise he gave you here, 3120 South Walnut, when you relocate to your home address, guess what? He's there. Because why? Because when you pull up the tabernacle, it goes with you. That unwritten promise or unwritten understanding of knowing that God is there. In other words, there's something about that that's protective. Now think about God. Well, God built that so the enemy would just come in and destroy. No, he did not. He, he did that because they began to be blessed and multiply, and what they went in with was just a handful. And when they come out, guess what? There was so much. God says, listen, we've got to change the order of everything. It's not just the, the individual priestly stuff for the home. Now we've got to deal with a whole body of people and a whole body of problems, a whole body of situations. So that's why he gave them the law. So that, listen, listen, this is why it's so important to understand about your part in the church. That's what, God did that for what reason? So they would all be on the same page. My God, church, let's get on the same page. We got so many differences and so many opinions, so many things. Guess what? We need to be on the same page and see the big picture with God. God says, listen, it's about the church. It's about the sanctuary. It's about the tabernacle. It's about who I am, a place for me to dwell. Think about it a little bit. Just notice how God... 
they were doing just fine, but God says, no, we're going to change things. I mean, Moses got up. I mean, you talk about a revelation. I mean, the, we, we get all excited about the Ten Commandments. We get all excited about the law that was given, you know, about how to conduct himself and what to do. But God goes right down and gives every specific thing, even the utensils, how to use them, what to do with them, the ministry, how to use it, what to do with it. He begins to instruct them on everything that was necessary. Then from here, watch, then from here is where we start finding man, mankind, when they get involved in something that isn't written exactly like was given in the law, we try to split hairs. Well, no, listen, understand something. When God says, because when God told Moses, said, this is what I want you to go tell them, listen, he, he could not change that. Let me, let me point something else out, too. Because I've studied pretty intensely about creation. We've had the creation seminars here several times. Think about this. Read this. Because when you look at the tabernacle that God says here, Moses, here's what you're going to do. You're going to build it this way, this way. This is what you're going to have. Think, think about creation. Because Moses wrote the first five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch. He, he, he wrote the, so he wrote Genesis and he wrote here Exodus. Now think about it. Read Genesis. You, I mean, you're talking about the world. You're talking about all the earth. Creation. God does not reveal to Moses the specifics in creation like he does with his tabernacle that he wants. I don't know about you, but that gets me excited. God's more interested in what's going on in his plan with his people than he is with this whole world. Because you read about the earth, the world, he didn't give them lines. He didn't give them, you know, uh, here's the, di the diameter of the earth. Here's the perimeters. Here's the length. Here's, the here's how. He didn't give them details in Genesis. Man's had to figure those out himself, what he can I was very disappointed when I found out the world wasn't flat. <laughs> Think about it. God does not become so specific in the creation of the earth. He didn't, he didn't mention all the, the, the magnitude of the stars. When Moses, because all Moses could write, all Moses could do was what he was inspired of by the Spirit, by God. But here in Exodus, he's very specific and very mundane about this is what's going to be with the tabernacle in the wilderness. I mean, right down to the buckles that held the curtains up. Size, length. I don't know if you've ever thought about that or put that together, but I thought, man, Lord, it seems like there's so much there because Moses describes creation of this world. And just a, very, just a very short general account of the earth. Now, there's more detail when it comes to, a little bit when it comes to creation of man and animals and things and the purpose, those kind of things. But think about it. God don't want us just walking around here not knowing what to do or what not to do. And I like what Brother Art said because sometimes we don't always get the answers right away. And what we have to do is, what do we do? What does the scripture, what does the Lord inspire us to do when we don't know what to do? We stand still. 
we wait. That's called trust. You see, God has made promises to some folks, and they're still standing and waiting. And sometimes we try to pursue those. And then we find we actually just create problems for ourselves when we try to make something happen. Looking back, I mean, it's going to be very clear. Looking back when I first started preaching, I felt like I had to, I mean, I literally look back. I, I really believe that there's times I felt like I had to make something happen in a service. Woo, come on, somebody move. Only to get this. You see, <laughs> there's a time, there's a purpose for everything. That's why we don't have tongues interpretation every Sunday. That's why when we sing Amazing Grace one Sunday, we yawn. And a few weeks later when we sing it, people are crying. Altars are full. Things are happening. That's, that's the spirit of God. That's how God works. When they were in the wilderness, guess what? We think about the wilderness experience, you know, and in some ways we think, man, what a, what a, but you know what? There's a lot of names that was given to that wilderness tabernacle, a tent. I mean, think about it. It wasn't really something great. I mean, especially the outward appearance of it wasn't something great to look at. But man, what was inside? And I think we can relate to that. It ain't what I look like. It ain't what I am. I think Brother Ty said that. It ain't anything about me, but it's about what's inside. What we allow the Spirit to do. Think about that. Because when it comes to the tabernacle in the wilderness, God says, you're going to make it for me. I want it made for me. You know, I want it done for me. The place where God will dwell with his people. Moses gives us and told us the particulars you think about that today. How many, have, how many would be honest? You don't have to raise your hand, but just be honest within yourself. God has dealt with you about some things that you've resisted. Something in your spirit's telling you something, and you just, ah. Kind of like the old Paul Kettle. Oh, I'll get to that one of these days. Come on. Think about, think about the tabernacle. In the wilderness. Think about the attitude. Listen, <laughs> I'm about to close. Think about the attitudes then and the attitudes now. Let Moses get up at Heritage Apostolic Tabernacle and say, This is what you're going to do. This is what we need. You're going to bring this. You're going to bring. We're going to give him that stiff neck, draw back, like, Really? Or we're going to be a little bit spiritual, say, well, you know, the guys like Wes and Ty and Brother Cooper and Brother Adam, you know, they make the big bucks. You know, they'll probably be the ones to do, you know, bring it all in and do it. That's what we think about people in church. Well, they, you know, somebody will do it. Somebody will give it. Somebody will take care of it. Those are really attitudes that we have. Think about the attitude then and now. So great was the giving. The scripture says Moses had to get, oh, man, I don't know that we'll ever get to that point. He had to get up and say, stop. Hold on. Even, even if you say, well, I don't understand about the Egyptian giving. Listen, the part that they had to do was to go ask for it. Hello. They had to go. They just didn't stand over here and, you know, some of Jews said, hey, hey, I, I want to give you this. Oh, there was some effort put, put into it on their part. 
irregardless of whether it was given by the Egyptians or not. They had to put some effort into it. Based on what? This is where I want to end. Based on what? Based on what God said he wanted. Stand with me. Did our Lord, look at me, did our Lord not tell us, I'm going to have me a church and the gates of hell. Did he not say that? Come on. Those of us that throw in the towel and give up every time, you know, if we ask or seek to do something and we get turned down, or no, or, you know, listen, keep moving, keep doing. Don't give up. Because it's a mandate of God to say, listen, this is what I want. I want you to win souls. I want you to go after people. If you're fishing in the same fishing hole, guess what? Pull your, pull your rod in and go somewhere else and fish in another one. Come on, some people only work on their family. Get away from your family and, like I had to do and trust God. God sends somebody to them that can reach them because I sure couldn't. Because sometimes they hear it so much, you get shut out. <laughs> I mean, it's bad when you walk through a prison and you see guys that see kind of, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Because they know what they're going to hear. They're going to hear you talk about the goodness of God or the things that, you know what, it's not impressive. Or it's not, they don't understand. You know, let me, let me say this about the world. The world don't understand our relationship and our hearing from God. If they don't get the tabernacle and the sanctuary part, Come on, that pattern that he said, they won't understand this because God's trying to speak to his people and show his people, I want to be a blessing. Wouldn't it be great if we went from 70 to 2 or 3 million? Lord have mercy. Maybe that's why Brother Adam prophetically shaved his head. Amen. Amen. Would you bow your heads all over this place? Next, next study, he asked me twice to teach you. The next day, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tie the materials and the contents that's in the tabernacle to the coming one, and that's our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to kind of make that, that connection there. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. Thank you, Lord God, for the pattern, for the types, for the shadows. Lord God, for the things, God, that you've laid, the foundation, God. Showing us, Lord Jesus, Lord God, the heavenly things, Lord God, that's been placed on this earth, Lord. Thank you, Lord God, for that pattern, Lord God, that you brought to this earth, God, that you've given to us and showing us, Lord God, what your purpose is, Lord, and helping us to know, Lord Jesus, that we have your promise. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. Amen. God bless you. Bump, bump fists, bump elbows, and be friendly.